Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you for uh, uh, being here once again, yes. as we always are in the uh, ring room. Yes. The fabulous well, ring room. A lot here. going on in the ring room tonight. Yeah, to so ch- we had to like scoot over a little yeah, bit. We had to chase some salsa dancers out. Yeah, of- <laughs> well, they're still dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's okay. Yeah. I don't mind people dancing. Dancing on their graves. I just, I just, I just really don't care for people too much. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You know, it's, it's uh, dance you don't mind. Well, I don't mind them dancing. Right, okay. Because one of them might drop dead. Okay. And I would like to see that. I've seen that happen before. Really? Yeah, yeah. I was playing a gig with my father one time. And, and he dropped for dead? Some older dad? people. No, no, he's still alive. Still quite alive. Okay. But uh, it was for an older dance group. And uh, one of the fellas, just he's dancing, and he keels over, and, and he's in full cardiac arrest. They call the, the crash truck. They come and work on him for... Uh, did you keep playing? An hour? No, we, we took a break. We'd stop oh. during that time, you know. The, the, was there a buffet? I, I don't remember that. It probably was some food. There's probably some food there. Whoa, but uh, but uh, so, so they worked on him for, for a while, and then they realized that they weren't going to be able to resuscitate him, but they kind of just put him on the gurney and take him away like, they, like there's some hope left. And then they clean up all the, the medical waste that they had, had generated right there in the middle of was the Was there human floor. waste? Because no. when you die, sometimes you He was you not just... quite dead. He was just oh. in arrest, you know. They weren't able to start it heart so i don't know exactly what he still had his clothes on so i'm not sure what was going on but but uh so my father comes over to the woman very you know somberly and says well do you want to dance of course he says so you want us to just wrap it up she goes oh no y'all can start playing again now these people are used to it (laughs) so so he played another hour (laughs) after that Wow. So, uh, you know, hopefully that's not going to, we're not going to have a repeat of that tonight. No, I think they're a little younger, these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're moving around. So what's been going on with you this past week? What's been going on? Uh, a whole bunch of stuff. You know, I was in, uh, played a house concert in Florida with Susan Cowsill. I was out there uh, staying in this, this giant home these people had right on the golf course. And they brought, I don't know, 50 or on 60. On the golf course? Golf course they live, yeah. Oh. Uh, on a golf course. In Florida? Uh, in Florida, yeah, yeah. Um, Morago? It was, um, Malago? No, the uh, Mar-a-Lago. That's Mar-a-Lago? The it's not, not there. I think that's south of where we were. Anyway. Um, where were you? In Orlando. Orlando oh, area. God. Uh, uh-huh. But, you know, so I was staying at these people's ho- house, and I had a bedroom of my own, bathroom, and I was sharing with the, with the piano player. And, you know, of course, they had clean towels and everything was very well kept. Well, I hope so. But it kind of reminded me of when I was uh, first on the road with different bands, you know, like the Panther Burns or somebody like that, where they're, they're doing it very on a, on a shoestring. You know, they, mm-hmm. you're sl- sleeping at people's houses, you know, some single guy who probably hasn't uh, cleaned the bathroom in six months and, and his cat this, hair This everywhere. place was like that? No, 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 no. Oh. But I'm saying it, staying at this, this people's house, they had a nice clean towel for me, but it reminded me, I was, as I was using this towel, it reminded me of being out on the road in these early days and the first few times I would st- stay at, you know, some, some shiftless person's house and I uh, need to take a shower, and he goes, well, I have that towel. You know, it's like a right, towel he's been right. using, and it really wasn't well laundered in the first Community place. Towel. Yeah, community towel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So after, after one or two experiences like that, I, I, I made a, a, a great um, 
discovery, innovation. Towels, your so, own towel. Well, no, check it out. So, so all you fledgling musicians out there, young people that are, that are uh, you know, doing these 12-hour drives and sleeping at people's houses to go play, uh, you know, a $100 Don't date. bathe. No? no? Well, that's some, some people do that. I, I like yeah. to bathe. But what I discovered is if you buy a roll of paper towels uh-huh. and carry it with you, you can dry your entire body and your hair with 10 paper towels. So it's like having a brand new clean towel every time. You just pull off those, those 10 sheets of uh, paper towel and go to town. So man. what was your towel of choice? Like uh, Bounty? Bounty's always good, yeah. yeah Bounty but, you know, or they Viva? All, they all work. Viva, yeah, yeah. You seem like you're cheap, so you'd buy like the, the generic brand. Sure, those work yeah, just as well. Yeah. You're just going to throw them away anyhow. Yeah, you know? It's not yeah. like you're going to reuse them. So, right, you know. well, that's great. <laughs> so you were at this gig. Yeah, so anyway, it was, it was a lovely affair. I'm just saying that's, that's what I did over the weekend. Um, you know, before that, or, or while I was there, I, I found out that we lost another great musician, another great New Orleans musician. Slappy White? It's been a very tough... Uh, it's not Slappy White. Is he still with us? No, I, okay. Slappy White okay. died. He's, 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 he's long He wasn't gone. a musician. Either. No, he wasn't. Anyway, so you, who died? You brought him up. So the great Jerry Jumanville, who was a saxophone player who... Played on a million records. Um, he's a million records? Many records. Okay. <laughs> There's like a million different bands he played yeah, with? Speaking figuratively, Manny. Okay. Um, Never heard of this guy. Jumanville? J- Jerry Jumanville. He's a, a New Orleans native, had a very thick New Orleans accent. He was a guy I was trying to get on the podcast for the past year, and I never could quite track him down. But uh, he... You know, he played on the Rose soundtrack, you know, the Bette Midler movie. I think he might have actually appeared in that movie as, Did he as, fuck as one of the band members. I, I didn't get to ask him if he'd come on the <laughs> podcast. We could have gotten into all that. Okay. Um, he, he did tell me a, a great story one time. I was, he was talking about, uh, I had brought up Bob Dylan or something. And he says, yeah, Bob Dylan tried to hire me for a tour. I said, really? I said, well, what happened? He goes, Oh, I turned him down. I said, Jerry, why'd you turn him down? He goes, have you heard him sing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said, well, no, I really like Bob Dylan. He yeah. goes, he goes eh, you know, I couldn't stand to hear nya, nya, nya yeah. in my monitor every night. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that's a one-of-a-kind perspective there. But so anyway, he's dead. Jerry just passed away. Yes, he's a very beloved uh, musician. It's, uh, 2019 has been a tough year for New Orleans musicians, man. It's, it's almost over, but um, I'm hoping to hang on through the, through, the, <laughs> through the new year. Well, I hope you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. you. Know, I was ready to kick you out of the car on the way here, yeah, you know, so you could have died then. Yeah, yeah. I was ready to know. jump. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> I gave you every opportunity. I know, I know. You slowed the car down. Yeah, I slowed the car down. Slower. Yeah. Anyway, but here, here we are, Manny. Here we right. are, back in the ring room. And uh, anything else? Uh, no, let's get to our guest because uh, she's got to leave early, yes, so yes, we, we should get to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We she's can always... got a drug deal to do, I yeah, guess, yeah, yeah. or yeah, something. Like our president, like, uh, like yeah. John Bolton was talking about. Actually, I think we're, impeachment is going on right now, taking, taking a vote on impeachment. Yeah, I'll believe anyway. it when I see Did it. Did I just oh, get right. compared to our... Yeah. So, oh, boy. Uh, many, many, uh, many assertions are going to be made here, uh, Hannah. Um, <laughs> anyway, you can defend them or accept them as, as, as you wish. So uh, our, our guest, again, a person I've been trying to, to, to uh, wrangle into the ring room for quite some time, at least six months. And uh, fortunately, she made it here alive. Um, so all you guests, potential guests, don't sleep on it. You know, don't, don't think you have more time than you do. You know, no one, life is precious. No one knows how much time any of us has. Only God. Uh, 
So this is, our, our guest is a musician. She's a singer, trumpet player, piano player. Uh, she comes from the, the Massachusetts region. Um, she's a, a Barnard-trained uh, musician, Columbia University. Uh, she plays in uh, the, the St. Cecilia Asyl Asylum Chorus. Uh, also, she has her own Hannah KB band. She's a, one of the dueling piano players at Pat O'Brien's. And beyond that, she, uh, she's a, a lobbyist for uh, the Music and Culture Coalition of New Orleans. <laughs> so without fur further ado, Miss <laughs> Hannah Krieger Benson. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> she gave you a look when you said activist. She well, no, because he said lobbyist. Lobbyist. I mean, okay. That okay, activist, well, I'm used yeah. to advocate. Lobbyist right? is okay. not a good word. Not a lobbyist. Okay. Yeah, you're not a lobbyist. I mean, lobbyists get paid really well. Okay. Well, maybe I you're working I... your way up to that. <laughs> Perhaps. You're, you're getting a lot of legislative experience, a lot that of arm-twisting experience. That is true. And lots policy uh, writing. Lots of policy, lots of, yeah, lots of uh, arguing, lots of... Trying to make things better and not worse. Yeah, good for you. Well, so you came down to New Orleans. I find your story fascinating. <laughs> so you, you, uh, you're trained in music at Barnard, Ivy well, League school. It's funny you say that, you know, Barnard trained musician means literally nothing because it's not a music no. conservatory. And I, I didn't study performance. Some student just got murdered there last Unfortunately, night. Unfortunately, a Barnard... A Barnard uh, got, got, freshman got or, killed yesterday. It was yeah. very, very sad. I know she a apparently, there's a park right next to yeah, Morningside yeah, Park. Right that there. you shouldn't go out after ten o'clock. You shouldn't walk through this park. Apparently, well, that's most of the students know this. Mm. Yeah, there. I mean, that, that park is, you know, I, what's caution. The, caution what's is the name important. of that park? Morningside Park. I'm assuming. Yeah, I think that's because I was, was watching the story today about her, it. Her encounter was at about 5:30 p.m. though. So oh, yeah, geez. that's weird. That's it was, weird. It was just a random fluke thing, and it's yeah. it's so 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 tragic. And Absolutely. I was texting my college roommates about it today. We were talking about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, that's uh, tough. No. Very, very, very sad thing. Yeah, Great way to absolutely. open the show, Manny. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so. so, so anyway, so you you came down to New Orleans after Katrina yep. with uh, Habitat for Humanity, right? Well, so I because you're I, a do-gooder. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Yeah, so why I came would down you want to do that? I this is the worst here, place ever. Like year and a half after the storm, with a music group. Okay. From from Columbia, on tour. Keep it right there by your mouth. And. Yeah, yeah. I had no plan. I was about to graduate in six weeks. I had no plan. People in New York were saying, ah, good luck getting a job, because that was 2007. Mm -hmm. Somebody here said, we need you here. I don't know what that meant exactly, but there, there's this demographic, this very particular demographic of young, 18 to 20, whatever, um, from the coast to the upper Midwest, generally white, generally upper middle class, who came down here after the storm and worked often in building or another, another nonprofit. So I was squarely in that demographic. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I up and moved here sort of with no plan, and then, yeah, I got a job. So with were you, what, what were you doing? You were building? building? You were building. Swinging a hammer? Swinging a hammer. So you're, you're certified to do that? <laughs> or they just say, you know, they just say, wing it, you know, put a As nail they say, it's two learning by, by doing. Learning Is there on the someone job? in charge? Well, there was, I mean, sure. My first yeah. year I was a construction assistant, um, the second and third years, I was I was construction staff, so I was running sites. But at that point, you know, I'd been around for a little bit. Um, you learn pretty quickly, um, and houses are not not simple, but straightforward. And 
So you must have enjoyed doing that. You did it for several years. You loved it. I loved it. it. It was so much fun. I used to have really good muscles. They're all gone. Yeah. <laughs> really well, nice. speaking of muscles. I know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you did that while you're also starting to play music here. You're I was freelancing a little bit. Lots mm-hmm. and lots of Craigslist ad responding and you know, poking around on Craigslist. Um, at some point, I don't remember how, I started teaching music at the synagogue, the Sunday school. The religious school music. That's how I first met you. You were you were. I used uh, to make your children sing. I don't. I don't think they liked it very much. Uh, my my children are wonderful singers. They they, they were really great. Yeah, I, they they like to sing. Um, um, yeah. The, I would go in there on on Sundays, maybe every other week. Um, and see, after three years of that, I guess I I was done with that. I freelanced sort of full time freelancing for a little while in music, um, and then st- then started a master's at Tulane. Which I never finished, but that partly turned into the nonprofit that I still do work with seven years later. Um, and then about six and a half years ago, I got the piano bar gig, which is very, very steady. Um, so that's at Pat O'Brien's. Mm-hmm. For all of you that have never been in New Orleans, don't know Pat O'Brien's. It's a big tourist attraction. It's the, the inventor of the hurricane. It is the oldest continuous music venue in New Orleans. Oh, did not know as, that. As far as I know. Huh, okay. Is that where they grease the poles? No, that's a pre-Mardi Gras thing. That's just like a French Quarter thing. Oh, but isn't it at a certain? It's at a certain big restaurant hotel. Yeah, it might uh, be somewhere Brennan. in Royal Street or something. Yeah, you maybe. guys would know. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not Pato's for sure because yeah. we don't have. Yeah, we don't have. You that. don't have poles. No, at least not to the same. But at, actually, no, none at all. At, at Pat O'Brien's, it's a place that you'll see uh, like. Um, graduation parties mm-hmm. or uh, or like a, an engagement party and mm-hmm. people drinking to excess. Yeah, well, so it, the, the 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 business is it's the whole inside of that block in the in between Bourbon and, and St. Peter. So there's the restaurant, and then there's the Bourbon Street side bar, and then there's a courtyard with a famous fountain that has water and fire in it. It's on fire, and there's hmm. water. It's very snazzy. And then the original old bar, the main bar, and then the, the piano bar. So it's really a very large expanse. And they then they also have private private event spaces as well mm-hmm. so it's it's a whole it's a whole industry um but the piano bar is yeah this famous old old thing so let's go let's forget about that let's go back earlier before uh columbia and all that so where are you where are you from boston boston okay and then um what neighborhood in boston what do you know what do i know yeah uh, i don't know much somerville Southie, are you a Southie? I'm not or? from Southie. I'm from a town called Belmont, which is next to Cambridge. Okay, okay. yeah. So, so very close to Somerville. Very close to Somerville. Very yes, I mean, yeah, yeah. Used to play Johnny D's a lot with oh my, my band. God. The Iguanas played there many, many times. Wow. Yeah, yeah. See, I left Boston when I was 18. I really have no idea, sort of, about the music scenes up there, but I do know Johnny D's. That's a famous, famous spot. That's amazing. Yeah, no longer in existence. Closed down a few years ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, your parents still live there. My folks are still there. Okay. Yes, indeed. Um, I was just there for Thanksgiving. Oh, very nice. So you, you're a young kid. You're play, you, you learned music at an early age. Music was always something that was just sort of part of the way I moved through the world. I was told, I've been told I was... But your parents didn't influence you on that. Did they uh, say you're going to take piano yeah, lessons? Yeah, they did I, all I did that the whole stuff. sort of lessons and, and, you know, school band and all that. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Um, generally musical family. Um, I was never very good at practicing or sort of you know, doing the, like, the classical thing. It was clearly not for me. Right. Um, but I always found I had, was pretty good at accompanying myself and 
singing, you know, Broadway show tunes. So as a Bostonian, you go to New York for college. Mm -hmm. So how was that for you? Because New Yorkers and Bostonians, you know, they don't go along. Oh, it's a myth. Um, It was great. It was really. It was great. Um, Except, I mean, I was there when the the Sox beat the Yankees in the World Series. That was interesting. Um, Well, they couldn't have beat them because in the NLCS, you mean? I mean, the ALCS. They they couldn't meet in the World Series. Oh, tells you what I know about baseball. Whatever it was, (laughs) the Sox and the Yankees are in the same same division. Okay, well then, yeah, whatever that was. uh, The Sox would beat them to get to the World World Series. I guess that must have been what that was. Yeah, that shows you what I know about sports. I grew up without a television, and I'm old enough that that was really Really? pre-internet. Yep. So uh, were your parents hippies? People always ask that. You know why I ask that? Because you have a hyphenated last name. I know. I mean, I guess in certain ways, then yes. Um, but they're, you know, relatively run-of-the-mill. Dentist. You know, lawyers. Oh, lawyers. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Two for two. Yep. <laughs> I ruled out law school many, 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 many years ago. Good. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Good. But that so your hyphenated last name is is your mother's maiden name and your father's maiden name as well. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Neither of them ever changed their name. They still call each other by their last names the way they did in college, which I think is really cute. It is cute. They don't use each other's first it's names. Very cute. Yeah. <laughs> which is a little odd. Yeah. I sometimes I, I, do that with my wife. Oh. See, that's cute. Keep it alive, you know. Mm-hmm. What's your wife's last name? Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum. <laughs> go, okay, Rosenbaum. <laughs> oh, that is cute. It I is, like isn't that. it? <laughs> Your, kid, um, your kids aren't hyphenated, are they? No, okay. no, no. You wouldn't no, do that to them. No, 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 don't, I mean, don't, don't do it to your children. They're circumcised, though. Well, the boy is. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't ask that. The, but, man, he's volunteering. Well, yeah. Um, I was twice. Anyway, <laughs> just to make sure. Uh, actually, true story. Oh, um, no. Yeah, yeah. I had the chicken box twice. Really? Didn't think that was possible. Exactly. Again, uh, who knows? We're the, everyone's learning a lot here on tonight's <laughs> Troubleman podcast. So so uh, so you you don't study music at, at Barnard. Well, I did study music, but okay. not performance. I studied academic music. I studied ethnomusicology. Okay. Deep deep music nerd roots. Right on. So that that made you want to come to New Orleans since we have such a such a rich. It was, uh, it was nothing that direct. It was just on tour with a music group. Mm-hmm. I get here, have no plan back ho- back up north in New York. Someone here says we need you here, and I kind of like ah. So I moved here for a year, quote unquote, but that was 12 and a half years ago. Yeah. So. That's for, to build the houses. I mean, again, my plan is just to move here without any particular right. goal. So the, uh, the job that I happened to find happened to be building, building houses. houses. But the intention was just to move here for a year. Okay. So you and were then figure move. out the rest of life after yeah. that. However, I, I moved never... here to clean up my act of all things. How's that going? Uh, it did well for a while. Not so good oh, no. <laughs> lately, you know. I, I uh, now I have a fifteen-year-old and a wife who uh, they don't dig me at all. You have a steady job. Yeah, I got a steady job. People yeah. like you. Chicks dig Manny Chevrolet. Yeah. I love you, Manny. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, you know. Well, that's not much. You have a great yeah. name. Yeah, I know it's a great name. You know, it a great really, hairline too. Yeah, great hairline. It keeps receding too. Oh. You know, it's powerful though. Yeah, it's powerful. a powerful, powerful hairline. Hair. Yeah. So you wanted to stay here. You came here and you said, I'm going to stick around for a while. It was, yeah, it was not super intentional. It was sort of year to year to year. Like, well, I guess I'll just, okay, I guess, a, you know, my, I have a job, I have a whatever. Oh, I guess I'm starting this master's. That's and so what years. neighborhood are you? Mid-city. You, you were in mid-city. Yeah, okay. And you're, you're still in mid-city? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've lived, I lived uptown in a couple different places. Yeah. But I've been in my house now about seven years, I think. So how many times have you had to boil water? 
since you've lived here. <laughs> you mean this week? One, two, three, yeah, this week, yeah. 54, I don't know. 54 times, yeah. Well, the thing about my part of Mid-City right now is that they've dug up all the streets. I mean, the streets are just made of holes and sand. Yeah. Like giant, I mean, I'm talking like giant pits. So like they've dug up long, your streets. 10 feet deep. Yeah, and that now other areas of the city will start to flood. You won't flood anymore. Well, they said it's a drainage project, which as far as we can tell, I mean, my neighbors and I joke about this. We, we think the drainage infrastructure project is just digging giant holes. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Because <laughs> it's just going to flood somewhere else. Got to let these contracts, you know, that's really what we're doing. It's I sp- mean, spreading some money around, you know. My latest theory is that they're just running a, um, a training school for heavy machinery operators, just okay. practicing digging holes. Because, I mean, they just dig So them. you like it here. You want to stay here. I mean, I bought a house and I have a thing. And well, you I, bought a house. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, and you house. have a thing. Like a job and a life. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Car and a apartment. Because I would leave here in a second if I could. I mean, I, I do think about it, but yeah. I also kind of feel like in the same way that I was absolutely sure that, I w- that moving here was the right move, I'm pretty sure that I'll know when it's the right time to leave. There you go. At Trusting least, your gut. At least that's my hope. We'll see. Okay. Well, you're honest about that. That's good. Very. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you're... Uh, career musician in New Orleans and a few years ago we're starting to float this idea of the master plan and master zoning plan and uh, uh, some of these agencies start coming around and with the uh, DB meter standing in front of clubs and trying to enforce these uh, these uh, DB like these noise um, caps and it's it's really curtailing a, a lot of regular business that's been going on for a while <laughs> you tell me when I where I where I you correct me when I'm wrong well, here. So that's that's really interesting that that's sort of the summary that you give because I mean okay. it, it, a lot of thing a, a lot of the issue no so the organization I work with Macno Music and Culture Coalition of New Orleans we deal with all these things that have sort of been let to happen for decades and then all of a sudden they're being they're sort of butting up against you know governmental regulations and that's part of the problem is sort of cultural practices that developed just kind of without oversight then are suddenly actually against the laws that are on the books but nobody ever cared about the laws that are on the books and suddenly those are being brought out and used as as hammers so the the Macno origin story is Kermit Ruffins the trumpet player called a meeting at the um mother-in-law lounge no before that the Treme speakeasy on Basin and people were mad there was sort of this sense of a crackdown on culture it was not really clear S- several venues had lost their they'd been told they couldn't have live music that their permitting wasn't right and there was like a hundred people there and there's lots of yelling just yelling and yelling and yelling and I was there as a working on this masters at Tulane I wanted to write a musicology masters about where music venues are in the city the distribution of music venues and then the why of that the legal and power structures that shape that distribution which is not really a musicology thesis, but that was kind of where I'd come to. So I just showed up there and I was sort of listening and watching wide-eyed and then people came back the next Wednesday at the same time and all of a sudden there was sort of all this potential energy in the room and I stood up and I said, hi, I'm a grad student, just want you to know my name and my face. I want to interview everybody in here, you know, and whatever. And someone in the back of the room said, do you want to lead these meetings? Oh, nice. And I agreed to do it if one other particular person would co-lead with me because I liked what she had just said. LaToya? It was not LaToya. She was busy with Broadmoor at that point. Okay. Um, A woman named Kyoko McRae. 
anyways, I became sort of the de facto leader of this very, very baby coalition that was sort of, I describe it as like forming like a star out of a swirling ball of gas, like just very nebulous. And all of a sudden there's like a little something there. Mm -hmm. And then seven years later, here we are. Right. So this whole noise ordinance thing that they were (laughs) trying to bring, you know what? The way I look at it, you know, if you don't like noise, then why live there? Move to another neighborhood. Yeah, 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 the noise was there before. Yeah, the yeah, noise yeah. has always been so that's, there. That's always the argument. And the problem yeah. with that is then it very quickly devolves into who was here first. And most often it's people who have been there less often than the noise, but sometimes there's also the fact that people have been there a long time and neighborhoods change. Yes. And okay. so I always try to steer it away from devolving into who was here first because that's mm. usually... I was here first, just, just to... Just to, cl- to Just clarify. to clear the, clear the air, <laughs> yeah, anyway. I was born here. I was born at this table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all, all I'm saying is that that line of whatever tends to kind of reach a dead end at some point, so I usually try to steer things away from that just because... Well, it's like this guy, what's his name? Um, oh Sidney Torres. Sidney yep. Torres, yep. this guy. I don't know if you're going to say yeah. that. You said a guy. Yeah, this guy, Sidney <laughs> uh, Torres, who just thinks that he can just, you know, call the shots. Yeah, well, they had Bufas. They've been having music there for, for years and years, 20 years. 30 years and, yeah. and he, he buys the uh, apartment next, next to it and immediately starts going oh you guys are too loud right. I can't have right. all this he music knew. I mean that was one yeah. that, that we ended up observing that that legal battle a lot just as sort of an outside observer which I learned a lot and I mean the fact is he knew that he had no legal standing whatsoever and that was very clear and, and his sort of solution to that was to just sort of throw his money and his weight around and try to sort of kick it down the road long enough that it would be a burden on Bufas and, and the I remember at one point they agreed to a reduced music schedule for two months. Mm-hmm. And the idea was in that time that measurements would be taken, but Sidney Torres wouldn't let anybody onto his property to take the measurements. But I, what I did is I sat down and calculated very roughly how much musicians' income was lost with that reduced music schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I told the people was, you know, at, at Buffa's to do? I told them to put their garbage in front of his house. Yeah. Like old, he, old style mafia yeah, move. Yeah. <laughs> just put the golfers in front of his house. They man. were Bufas was they were such good neighbors to him. They really they really were like very, very, very You're trying to accommodate. Upstanding. Him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean I the way he acted toward them was absolutely inexcusable. And it really was like the prime example of somebody who's wealthy and entitled and just sort of, you know, says, This is how this is my vision of the world and I'm gonna impose that vision. Right. And, you know, and he wanted to be mayor of this city. I think he probably still does. Yeah, he found a bigger arena in which to swing his dick, which is that okay. um, that TV show about flipping houses. I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to say that. On no, no, that's fine. No. We, I, I, I liked it as soon as you said that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> literally, he on. found that. Especially you holding that, that mic and saying, "No, I'm kidding." No. Hey, hey. <laughs> um, no, he's an idiot. The guy well, no, he, found, he found a TV show in which he got to be sort of this big, yeah. you know, whatever. I want to get had... him on the show. We've got to get him on the show. Oh, yeah, Gross. we're trying to butter him up here. I had a letter ready. If he came out as a candidate for mayor, I was ready to come out swinging. Okay. I think he hasn't really come out, if you know what I mean. Okay, well. Uh, you know, people's sexuality uh, uh, is none uh, of my business. None of my business either, yeah. Unless you, you're in their bedroom, who cares yeah. what goes on no, there? You, yeah, yeah, exactly. You do no, it's my tours. business because I can rail them about it. Well, it's, but, you know, you, you know, you wouldn't want anybody talking about your business. I don't you care. Don't care. My, I, know, you know, I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't See, matter to thing. me. You, we've done this show, what, 200 episodes or something yeah, About like that. that, yeah, yeah. You know, it seems like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you still don't get it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I really don't give a fuck. 
and, no, I get and that. that's why you delete me and all that kind of stuff. Uh, man, that was two and months you ago. Edit me and two, stuff. That was two months ago. You know, uh, if your if, sister liked that bit. You know, Manny, uh, uh, it's good that you were able to pull my family on this this issue. I was maybe I can give you my mother's phone number and my brother's. And I you would can, like your you phone You can number. you can you can uh, see like what my, my phone entire number. family thinks about it. I would like to hear this. You know, again, it was two months ago. If I'd fucked your girlfriend, I would hope that you would be over it by now. I don't is, have. Is a that how long it anyway, takes to get over that? Uh, no, shorter. It's sh- sh- shorter than that. Anyway, uh, that's um, j- uh, again. This is we're getting sidetracked. What were we talking about before the, we got sidetracked here? Oh, we're talking about uh, the the coalition and and uh, Sidney Torres and and this policy issue. So so you're involved in this, and and what what does your work comprise? You know, what 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 kind of things are you guys dealing with day to day now? So now? It, I mean, the general you know description is all the ways that law and policy impact music and culture. Which is obviously, you know, relatively broad, but also pretty specific because there's not a lot of people who sit at that intersection. So we deal with a lot of stuff like, you know, you talked about the noise ordinance. The noise ordinance has been around for decades. It needs updating. It's very, mm-hmm. very poorly written. It's Frankenstein's monster-ish. It's, you know, different bits. But it's the same thing like the, the parades and how they say the ladders have to be back six feet and you can't do... Well, right. They've been trying to enforce that. I'm, they never do. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm and, getting there. I promise yeah. you. They never do I'm it. getting there. Um, in the story? In the, we're oh, okay. we're, we're going to get there. Okay. Um, so it's a, lot of, it's, a, it's a lot of different things. It's sort of power imbalances. You know, we deal a lot with street performers. There's been a number of street performers arrested from this summer moving forward and it's really disconcerting because you're talking about someone who's pretty disenfranchised, you know, sort of an individual street performer against the whole weight of the legal system, you know, a, a police officer, often at the request of wealthy citizens or business owners. And that's super problematic because, you know, you're talking about a really sharp imbalance of power. Now, the other thing in this, you know, talking about like the, the ladders, enforcement is a huge problem because then what you have is practices that grow in this climate of no enforcement. And then if you actually do enforce it, all of a sudden you're kind of dealing with this like major problem because you know people's traditions have grown in that way one two you're dealing with all of the biases that we know are in policing so now you're talking about all of the sort of selective enforcement that's going to happen sure. with that and three it's incredibly difficult to legally write regulations and enforce them that deal with social, socially contracted things. So if for years the practice was you put your ladder out and everybody kind of just like jostles for space and you know what's what and you kind of know how to navigate it, that's a socially contracted practice. Yeah, but don't you, don't you understand that the only good thing law enforcement does down here is crowd control. They, they can't solve oh, a crime. They're phenomenal they at that. Yeah, they can. Oh, so why don't they do that during Mardi Gras? Control the people's ladders and stuff well, like sure, that. Well, sure, I'm saying that's and fine. Them, and, my, and them taping off their space. It's, yeah, you know, I don't go to parade. I don't, no, I, I give agree a fuck with that, but that's, that's, like super, yeah. that's super obnoxious. Yeah. But what I was saying was that, you know, that was something that was sort of solved among people. That was a socially contracted thing. Like, you might be fighting with your neighbor about a it. social contract. Yeah. We're going to work it out, right? Legally regulating that kind of stuff is ridiculously difficult. If you have a place where there's music at the bar on the corner, and there's music probably on Thursdays, unless old Joe is, you know, whatever, and then maybe it'll be on Fridays, and the music goes until, eh, whenever, when we shut it down. And if, you know, the old lady who lives next door, like, bangs on the wall, we'll probably shut it down early. Like, that's all, <laughs> that's how things happened. You know, neighborhood music venues are super in danger because you cannot write a set of legal regulations that captures the nuance of socially regulated things. Right. 
And what ends up happening is you end up writing a sledgehammer and then smashing shit. So, so they're still trying to come up with this, uh, this unified zoning plan. Is, is that correct? Well, the comp- I mean, no. The Compre- comprehensive zoning ordinance got overhauled. It got rewritten in 2015. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm a few years behind. <laughs> we, got, we got some good language in there. We got, we got restrictions on music and restaurants taken out and some other stuff that was really important. You spend uh, three days a week playing at Pat O'Brien's, then you've four days a week, mm-hmm. then, then you fill in with other uh, uh, spot jobs, as we used to call them here, spot jobs. I like uh, to freelance where I can. And, but, but then you have this, what's really kind of a full-time job. Well, one, it's not just me. There are three of us on staff with Macno, um, and there's a very wide and strong community network that we've built over the years. I mean... And that's sort of what we rely on. And what and does fact, MACNO stand for? Music and Culture Coalition of oh, New Orleans. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, for anyone who's listening, MACNO.com. Find out about what's going on. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You know, There's no uh, one listening. Don't uh, no. worry about it. <laughs> no, actually, we have, we're, we're up to uh, several thousand listeners a month. That's, Dang. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're growing, growing by leaps and bounds. Um, you know, Manny, I'm looking at our cocktails. Oh, yeah. Seems like time. it's time for it's another your, round. Yeah, it's your turn. Okay, so we're going to take a little break. Uh, go we'll get yourself re- another cocktail. And we'll be right back. And we're back. Back in the ring room. Back yeah. with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Yeah. Back with Miss Hannah Krieger Benson. Hi. You know, we just, hey. uh, we uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have a lovely voice. Thanks. You have a powerful <laughs> set of hair yourself, uh, actually, you know. Oh. Thick, thick, lush set of hair. Well, I mean, you Not know. to objectify you, but I have to... Well, have to also, it's pretty similar to your hair. It is. I it's, mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's be honest <laughs> Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Um, Does your mom cut your hair like his mom? <laughs> or his wife? My wife cuts or his wife? My, my mom used to cut my hair yeah. when I was a child. But, uh, you know, so hopefully, uh, Nation, you were able to get yourself another round of drinks. Uh, you know, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, you know, we, we have a, a Trouble Men podcast cocktail fund. You can uh, go to the, the link there in the show notes or in, in the, uh, the links or the the Facebook page and make a contribution to the cocktail fund and buy Manny a, sh- a round of drinks and uh, we'll give you a shout out. So Hannah, interesting thing I, I discovered today that you were the, the 2015 city business woman <laughs> of the year. That must yeah. have been quite a, quite a, uh, you know, a nice thing for you. huh? I was very honored. Um, that was one where, you know, it's funny actually earlier on, I mentioned Rob Schaefer, the bass player, uh-huh. who's a, a good friend of mine and right. um, it was actually his partner Carrie um, who works in PR and is, is I mean she's she's wonderful she nominated me for that and she and and especially I was pretty clear that I really didn't fit the profile I you know Macno is a nonprofit. I was not working in business you know to say I was nominated for women in business in some ways it was very um, sort of out of the box but it was a really interesting exercise in looking at the ways that we support the cultural economy and sort of in that way, you know, working to make the business of being a musician better. So Mm -hmm. I was very honored to be nominated. Um, And then, you know, the the way it works is that all sort of all the women who are accepted, I guess, get a, get this award and this and that. And then I think, and then I think one person was chosen at the, at the awards Mm -hmm. lunch. Um, But yeah, it was a very, it was a very interesting exercise in kind of aligning what Macno does with a very different model, you know, because again, women in business, normally that's people who work on very different things than I do. Um, and, you know, to be sort of a working musician who does this policy and advocacy work sort of very scrappily by the seat of your pants, you know, it, it's a tiny little nonprofit. So this award, it's, it's, it's like a, tr- it's a, you get a check too? No. 
No, it's just an award. It's like a little curved glass thing with my name and whatever, and it sits on my... I have a Above cabinet. your toilet? No. <laughs> I have a cabinet with tchotchkes in oh, it. okay. Yeah. Nice. Tchotchkes is a Yiddish for what? Things? Stuff? I don't know. Crap. No. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think everybody knows what tchotchkes are. It's one of okay. those uh, Yiddish words that's made its I've, way into the, the American uh, vernacular. I've lost my ability to to know if Yiddish words that I use are commonly known or not. Yeah, so. no, that's okay. for sure very. That uh, one is. You know, Maven. That's another one that people don't. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, so did did you grow up in a uh, a, a pretty religious household? I would say we were practicing. I mean, you know, conservative, conservative. Um, which, for well, anyone listening, conservative yeah, yeah. Judaism is not. Um, sort of politically or personally conservative. It's a, just the name of a particular sort of relatively progressive uh, strain of, of Judaism. So, yes. you know, grew up going to synagogue on, on Saturdays, um, you know, pretty, pretty observant in that mm-hmm. way. I, I, Still? No, um, I'm not super practicing. I definitely observe major holidays. Um, because so when you come down here, you fall right into this job, uh, you know, teaching a early childhood education and, and, uh, the synagogue religious school. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Teaching, teaching the kids Jewish. There's a lot of Jewish music and I kind of had a background in Jewish music. The, the music group I came on tour with six months before I moved here was a Jewish music group. Huh? Um, really? Mm-hmm. Like playing like klezmer music or <laughs> I don't know. Jewish acapella. Oh, okay. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other story. Um, because touring synagogues. We did. I mean, I toured the world with that group. We went to the Ukraine. Really? No, Ukraine, not the Ukraine. Ukraine. You know, our last guest was from the Ukraine. Well, so that's the whole thing is that apparently saying the Ukraine is actually really not, is actually, apparently it's supposed to be just Ukraine. Okay, well, I have to go and change my, uh, all of the, no, I've, the I've verbiage. Just, I've just learned this recently, yeah. So we, we went today. to Ukraine yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Argentina and Uruguay when I was about 19 as well. And, you know, I toured, like I said, I toured the world with this group singing for Jewish communities all over the world. It was really extraordinary and then we came here we were supposed to come here in march of 2005 and we didn't we ended up changing our plan that year and then we came here in march of 2007 so i never got to come here before the storm and then i got the the job teaching synagogue sunday school music and i loved it and then that's how you and i met was doing the passover gig yes we pl- we've played the uh the second <laughs> seder uh mm-hmm. musical passover and they have a, a ragtag bunch of Jewish musicians. Well, it, it was, you know, it was amazing to me. I'd, I'd only been here for, I don't know, a year or two. Like, I was still really new. And realizing later on that it was this relatively heavy-hitting bunch of musicians who all happened to be Jews. And it was just sort of this astonishing, looking back on it, you know, I was so naive. I was showing Joe Crown how to plunk out the chords of some yeah. Passover tune. And then later on, I was like, <laughs> What was That's I doing? Joe Crown. <laughs> no, but you did great. No, uh, I remember that, but and I thought uh, I was I, w- I was immediately impressed by you because you weren't like a religious school teacher that knows some songs. You were clearly a musician because you carried yourself like a musician. You had the confidence of a musician. Oh, you could lead the band. Look, I, that means so much to me. Like somebody who's good on the bandstand. Somebody oh, can start you. a tune. Somebody can end a tune. A lot of people go and have a lot of training. They can maybe, you know, read, sight, sight, yeah, sing, sight and all this kind of shit. They can't get a bunch of musicians up on the bandstand and run a job. And to me, that's what, you know, this is showbiz. That's, and I, it's, I feel like it's not, it's not often taught. I mean, I think there's a lot, and this gets into a whole other discussion about what is taught in, you know, music, music degrees and whatever. And oh, no, that's not taught. It's not taught. And I, I really wish it was. It's, it's really, I think it really... Um, sends people out into the world sort of shorthanded in terms of the skills that they need to be a successful musician. And, you know, I was just actually talking about this recently, someone who was talking about his 
is, who's a, a guitar player at, who teaches um, at some universities, and his guitar student was, um, you know, really great in lessons and all this stuff. And then he subbed out, the teacher subbed out a gig to the student, and the student was so terrible on the gig because mm-hmm. he just like couldn't yeah. sort of <laughs> keep up in that environment. And it made me really sad that it's like it's so it's it's a divided. separate sil- yeah. skill set. No, you you like you. To, ability to play with people you know like uh, i've had this discussion with with you know a bunch of different engineers and i'll say oh that guy's a really good guitar player he just can't play with people it's yeah. like well what does that mean <laughs> how, how can both of those things right. be true <laughs> right if you're if you're a really technically great musician in a vacuum unfortunately it doesn't really count yeah what does it mean yeah, yeah. But so so you were somewhere i was like oh wow look look at uh, hannah you know she's 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 like one of us you know she's not well, just playing you. along here she's that's amazing because i was you know maybe 23 and really had no idea what i was doing and the fact that i you know quote unquote carried myself like a musician and had that confidence is a uh, really astonishing um, yeah but you you obviously had a lot of experience doing it i mean that only comes from experience and i had had some i was the music director of that jewish music group that had come here on tour so yes i was okay. well, i was wrangling people it's funny wrangling people has actually ended up being my sort of... It's a through line for you? It is. I mean, you know, building houses with groups of volunteers, I mean, that's the thing about Habitat for Humanity, it's not just building houses, it's building, you know, whatever group of volunteers you have that day, high school kids, little old church ladies, and it's making use of the volunteers you've got. So, so and, you, and you still use those skills now in, in, uh, in, in your activism. You know, I was thinking about this on the way here. Yes. Like, we used to have a, a strong organized labor in this country. We had, uh, you know, the... AFL-CIO, which the, the American Federation of Musicians was a member of. At, when I was growing up in New Orleans, you could not run a non-union job anywhere. Like, the union could close down the Fairmont Roosevelt Hotel right. if we wanted to. Right. You know, you could, yeah, you can put a non-union group in there if you don't want any uh, alcohol delivered, if you don't want any garbage picked up, if you don't want the maids to change the, uh, the, the sheets. You know, it's like... Interesting. That sounds comfortable. Yeah, no, it's, and so we actually had power. You know, we were talking about that, uh, the Irishman movie last week, you know, talking about, about, uh, about um, Jimmy Hoffa, you know, and the mm-hmm. and Teamsters. And we were all affiliated, you know, the AFL-CIO. That was, we, we had the collect, you know, again, the collective power of organized labor. Now It's real. Now, well, it's not real anymore. No, no it, it was real. It, it was yeah. real. Um, you know, people said, well, the unions were corrupt, so we need to get rid of the unions. Well, you know what's corrupt is uh, unfettered capitalism and, and the power of, of huge wealth to corrupt the system, to corrupt the laws, yep. to corrupt the, the enforcement of those laws. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have now. So, yeah. so uh, the, 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 uh, the, the coalition that you're, you're looking at my hand, I keep making this motion, sorry, <laughs> snake motion. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's almost like uh, we're trying to rebuild the model. Well, and I mean, we do have a musicians union, and I we do, but and I I like them, and I you know the people who work there, I like them a lot, and I you know I I want them to to be more active. You know, it, it is it's, well, funny. it's a right to work state, so they we there's nothing we can do. I was about to say, yeah, the the, the right to work. I mean, that language is so amazingly bullshit you know to 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 be able to frame it in those terms right to work right um what's well, the it's the chamber of commerce uh you know getting their way from the reagan era forward you know right. and it's the it's the yeah yeah you know i 
the union is one organization that MACNO has, we've certainly been in, in the same sort of rooms or coalitions with them, but we've not been able to work with them, I think, as much as I would like. And I really, really, really want the union to be, you know, as strong and robust as possible. And they do provide a lot of good services for their members. Um, I think we sometimes sort of work in slightly separate spaces, you know, because I, I think MACNO takes on some of the sort of more politically fiery um, fights. Yeah. And that's just kind of the space that we've come to occupy just based on the fact that there really wasn't a lot being done in that in that space um what are you guys working on currently well so there is i mean there's definitely a recurring issue with street performers and the way that they're vilified and criminalized so trying to work on getting some better training for law enforcement around that or some sort of better it, it, it's not even the laws in the books. It has to do with sort of the language and the framing. You know, street performers are talked about in the same sentence as garbage or, you know, human feces. I've, I've literally heard presentations or, you know, in, in meetings where street performers are talked about in well, the same sentence. it depends sentence. on their act, though, doesn't it? I'm still going to defend their legal rights, even <laughs> if they're, they're musically problematic. Because I mean, you know? I've seen some street performers that are just bad. I know? have, too. I'm you still going to defend their <laughs> legal just, rights. They I'm gonna stink, you know, and they shouldn't be there, you know? Well, but that's such a slippery slope, because who gets to arbitrate what's good and what's bad? And the problem is, once you start with that, I'm going to defend everybody's legal right to perform, because if you don't, you go down the slippery slope of who gets to decide what's good and what's bad, and that does not ever end well. Now, even as a performer, I will say that I understand the 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 side of the small business person who's trying to run a small business and, and has a group that's, you know, blocking the, the entrance and egress of their business and, you know... Sure. That, I mean, yeah, blocking the entrance again, is, every, I think is not everybody legal. needs... No, it's not, but yeah. it's done. It's, it's, well, sure. I mean, being so I good actors... And these performers to, want to use the business's toilet. Sometimes. You know... No, I mean, that's absolutely. That's not right, unless being, they being good actors, Right. Being good actors is, I mean, in the end, that's really what it is. And, like, when people don't act well, it makes it much harder to defend everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, yeah, so street performers is, is one major category of stuff that we sort of continuously deal with. You know, private patrols hired by businesses who tell street performers things that are legally not accurate mm-hmm. and then threaten them with arrest, that kind of thing. Um, another, another major issue that we're working on, I would say, for sure, is outdoor live entertainment, which has, for whatever reason, come under attack by... The sort of the city infra- the city the city power structure. Um, there was a ruling from the Department of Safety and Permits that outdoor live entertainment was not okay, based on the fact that there are no doors and windows to close, and doors and windows have to be shut. It's a very problematic interpretation. You mean even like pup, like things that are sanctioned, like uh, you know organized concerts that are, are you well, saying impromptu? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, and any like outdoor live music in. Well, what about like porch parties? People have these porch parties. Like maybe in, that's what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, in huh? in my neighborhood during Jazz Fest, See, but they have porch we're, parties. We're back to the socially contracted thing. There is no way to write regulation that. That would capture that cultural practice. There are porch parties in the neighborhood during Jazz Fest, period, full stop. Everybody knows that. It That has got to stay sort of socially protected because you can't regulate that legally. I'm talking about, though, like businesses that might have music in a courtyard, and that has now come under attack. But hopefully there's going to be a study. It's not really clear, but outdoor live music is potentially under attack in, in the coming year. The noise ordinance is going to come back. I mean, again, it needs updating. It's such a fucking mess. It's such a mess. But it needs to be updated in ways that center the needs of the cultural community and don't criminalize people and cultural practices because that's not okay. Right. So, but yeah. Don't you think New Orleans after Katrina 
so much money from out-of-towners have come in mm-hmm. that it's killing the culture of this city. It, in, the in air, part, the, absolutely. The, fli- the flippers who are doing the oh, Airbnbs, sure. the, poor, the, the culture that makes this city, the poor black people who make this city are being driven out. Sure, neighborhoods so are changing. You, how do you solve that? Oh, I'm not saying I have the answer to that entirely. I'm saying that... We're hoping you did. That's why you're oh, here. Oh, shit. No, no, well, just kidding. We've got part of the answer. I mean, part of the answer for sure is... You know, just continuously centering the voices of cultural people, you know, cultural practitioners in these discussions. And cultural practitioners historically were black and Creole neighborhoods. Right, but the folks. problem is the rich run the city. This oh, I is know. a corrupt city. Oh, it's I a know. Very corrupt city. So you're not going to get anything done. It's ne- nothing's going to change. We already have, and we're going to continue. No, Don't discourage her. I ran for mayor four times. Yes. And I've gone the same campaign promises uh, about same issues constantly. And you know what? It's it's like 20 years and the same issues are going on. Oh, 100%. The same ones they talk about every four years are going on. So this city, you know, nothing's going to change. That's Except why we need to get out. things have been changing. Things what has been, been changing in this city? Well, I mean... The, money's, more money, out-of-town money's coming in, and no one can afford to live here anymore. Well, sure, that's a change. I mean, yeah, so the question well, that's then a becomes, change, but that's not a good change. No, right, not at all. Right, right. You know? All, all I know... But I mean, the, here's Macno, the thing. I've told Renee this a million times. It doesn't matter what happens. I mean, people get murdered every day. People get, uh, on Mother's Day, get murdered. Nothing's going to change because... The, the, the inertia that this city breeds, we'll just have a festival, a parade, and we'll forget all about our troubles. And that's the worst thing about this city. Well, it does have a Caribbean uh, approach to, uh, to life, yes. Where Except we- that things have been changing. I mean, Macno sort of accidentally has changed the legal structures and the legal landscape around Now, culture. what is Macno again? It's this small, scrappy organization that deals with all the ways that law and power impact music okay, and culture. Okay, what does it stand for? Music and Culture Coalition oh, okay. of New Orleans. All right, all right. Same, same. You know, I mean, believe me, I completely understand the sort of the futility feeling, but that's not where I choose to put my time and energy. You know, Hannah, as a... Uh, but I've also chosen a very small... I mean, I'm not running for mayor. I've chosen a very small sector in which to work, and the fact is we've been able to affect a lot of change there, and we're going to just keep working on it because, you know, at that... It, in that slice, we're able to be effective, and so I have to. Yes, you know, Manny's trying to take. Manny is the the uh, the snake trying to swallow the elephant. You know, he's he's trying to take on all of the as 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 a candidate for mayor. What does that even mean? As a candidate for mayor, you're 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 taking on all of these issues at once. I'm saying so. She's. No, well, the, the con- thing is, is, next election, mm-hmm. I don't care about those issues. Okay. Oh, really? You have a new platform? Yeah, I have a totally new platform. Nice. Because nice. nothing's going to change. Right. I mean, potholes, corruption, crime. Okay. Nothing's going to change. You're getting to my next point, but go the, ahead. The, the lack of education. I mean, this city's a dump. It's a <laughs> fucking dump. Okay. <laughs> All right? So I'm going to campaign next election on something that this city doesn't have a problem with. Okay. So I'm going to campaign on, I will get rid of all the bats 
in the city. Nice. I like it. I like Aww, it, man. But, but bats love, are good. Bats are good. Bats, bats eat insects. No, but we don't see we don't have a problem with bats. No, right. Okay. So that's my so campaign you, promise. I like it. Because did you, you pick something that we don't have but that also the problem the, the problem is bats are already vilified we don't in have, popular uh, culture. We don't have smart people here. Hmm. We don't have higher education here. We don't have uh uh well we, we I'm just saying like if, if you said oh I'm going to get rid of all the kangaroos I'd be like, oh, that's amazing because kangaroos are not vilified in popular culture. Bats are. Bats, okay. bats right. need some support. Well, you know, uh, she, uh, she, has a, she makes it, you make a lot of good points. I love Hannah. bats. They eat mosquitoes. Mosquito- I, I'm, I'm the person who gets all the mosquito bites. Really? I hate mosquitoes. I love bats. You know, I would say as a, as a, as a native, you know, my perspective uh, in, in this post-Katrina culture, people said, well, aren't you afraid, you know, New Orleans, all these new people coming in are going to change New Orleans? And I, I thought, you know, Looking back over the long arc of New Orleans history, in fact, that's usually not what happens. Usually, people try, then they give up. And the, what winds up happening is New Orleans changes them or they leave. And that might not happen in a year or five years, but over 20 years, it does. You know, New Orleans has a, uh, has a very heavy, specific gravity that, that tends, to, tends to change I, everyone. I to, fell into it. Right on. Again, again. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for coming out here and, and thank you. Uh, you know, putting Here's up with... stickers for thank you. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the presentation of the Trouble Men podcast stickers. sticker. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, know, you so I have much. You yeah. put it on your laptop, you know, make, I will. Uh, make people like you more. And, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's a working great, for us. It's a great graphic. I love yeah. it. Y'all, thanks so much. I really appreciate you. Okay. Oh. And as we always say on the Trouble podcast, uh, trouble never ends, but the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. They say the important part is the journey. They say stop and learn along the way. What about the place for which we are yearning? Gotta hold.